Welcome to the Shift Gold Friday Gold Wrap, your overview of this week's precious metals news. It's Friday, August 10th. I'm your host, Mike Meharry. Thanks for tuning in. Gold got a midweek bounce, but it wasn't able to hold on to those gains on Thursday. This morning, it is trading up a bit, but generally gold continues to trade in a range between about $1,200 and $1,220. As I record this podcast, gold is at $1,215.90, silver is at $1,544, and the silver-gold ratio stands at 78.97. We haven't seen much safe haven buying despite tensions with both Iran and Russia ratcheting up. The U.S. is ramping up sanctions on both countries. But it appears the safe haven trade is going into the dollar, which continues to be strong. The greenback is hovering just short of a 13-month high against a basket of currencies. And of course, the whole interest rate hike thing continues to weigh on gold. The truth is, I think both rate hikes that are expected before the end of the year are already baked into the market. In fact, I would say it's probably overbaked. Nevertheless, every time the subject of gold comes up, some pundit mentions rising interest rates, so I figure I should mention it here. Inflation numbers out this morning pretty much lined up with expectations. The consumer price index was up 0.2% in July after increasing 0.1% in June. Annual data remained unchanged at 2.9%. As one report put it, this indicates little momentum in rising price pressures. Now, I just want to pause here and remind you that this number that all of the mainstream pundits casually dismiss means prices of things that you buy are rising almost 3% every year. Now, is your paycheck going up 3% every year? I bet it isn't. Just think about this for a minute. There is an intentional policy to devalue money and raise the price of everything you buy. I don't know why that it doesn't make people more angry. Anyway, I'm going to get back to uh, inflation in a second, but I want to touch on the trade war real quick. It continues to ratchet up. I'll include my standard reminder. When you hear tariff, just think tax. So the Trump administration announced another round of 25% tariffs on $16 billion worth of Chinese imports starting in two weeks. Beijing announced it will retaliate, of course. If nothing else, this back and forth does provide some amusing rhetoric. You never know what Trump might tweet. And the Chinese can throw around some word salad as well. Quote, the two countries' trade conflict, which is merely push and shove at the moment, is likely to escalate into more than just a scuffle if the U.S. administration cannot marshal its mobster mentality, the state newspaper China Daily said in an editorial. Mobster mentality. When you're talking about the U.S. government, that's not unfair. Not to say that the Chinese government is any different. Mobster pretty much captures the essence of government. Anyway, back to inflation. I mentioned that it's an international or an intentional policy. It's a predictable result of abandoning sound money. An article over at The Sovereign Man summed this up perfectly. Quote, by every measure, including stagnating wages and rising costs, things have been going downhill for the American middle class since the early 1970s. August 15, 1971, to be exact. This is the date President Nixon killed the last remnants of the gold standard. Since then, the dollar has been pure fiat currency. This allows the Fed to print as many dollars as it pleases, and without the discipline imposed by some form of a gold standard, it does precisely that. The U.S. money supply has exploded 2,106% higher since 1971. 
The rejection of sound money is the primary reason inflation has eaten up wage growth since the early 1970s and the primary reason the cost of living has exploded, end quote. Here's just one example of what the Federal Reserve has done to your money. Measured in gold, U.S. wages have dropped by 84% since 1971. Nice. And central bank monetary policy is driving us toward a cliff. The Fed is pushing up rates, interest rates that is, and we have an economy built on a great big giant pile of debt. In fact, we're drowning in debt. The government is drowning in debt, and the average American is drowning in debt. The Fed released its consumer debt data for the first half of this year this week. Consumer debt hit a new record of $3.87 trillion. That's trillion with a T. But the rate of borrowing actually seems to be shrinking. Talk about flashing warning signs. Outstanding credit card balances crossed the $1 trillion threshold. Meanwhile, auto loans and leases for new and used vehicles rose by $40 billion over the last year to a record $1.3 trillion. Student loans jumped by 5.8% in Q2, increasing $84 billion year over year to a $1.53 trillion total. If you listened to the show last week, you probably remember me talking about the fact that the economy is primarily built on the back of poor and middle class consumption. Spending by the bottom 60% of income earners is pushing economic growth, but they're primarily borrowing money to do it, thus the ballooning levels of debt. So basically, Americans are growing the economy by buying stuff they can't really afford. Now it appears that the level of borrowing is slowing down. Now, could that mean the consumers are tapped out? And if so, how is economic growth going to continue? Just consider the numbers. The increase in credit card debt was actually down in the first half of 2018 compared to the spectacular 5.6% to 6.8% increases we saw from Q4 2016 through Q4 2017. Auto financing has also fallen off since the euphoria of 2015, and student loan borrowing is down as well. Looking at it on a monthly basis tells us a similar story. June consumer debt numbers actually came in significantly below expectations. Analysts anticipated an increase of $16 billion. As it turns out, consumers only increased their debt loads by $10.2 billion. Now, granted, that's still a lot of borrowing, but it paid pales in comparison to May, when Americans went gangbusters, borrowing $24.3 billion. In fact, the borrowing and spending in May was probably a big part of that 4.1 GDP number we got in Q2. As Peter Schiff pointed out in a podcast this week, if the consumer didn't borrow as much money as we thought in June, then he probably didn't spend as much money. Borrowing is to finance spending, right? You don't borrow money and stuff it in your piggy bank. If Americans didn't borrow as much money as we thought in the month of June, then they probably didn't spend as much money as we thought in June. It wouldn't surprise me if we end up seeing Q2 GDP revised down eventually. So if the trend in declining borrowing continues, it could bode ill for economic growth, considering the bubble economy is being financed by consumer and government debt. And remember, interest rates are going up, which discourages borrowing. With $3.87 trillion of debt already on the books and rising interest rates, how much more can Americans borrow? The economic house of cards could be getting close to its inevitable collapse. And then we have the federal government. The Treasury is borrowing money as if we're in the middle of an economic crisis. 
and this is supposed to be a boom. According to the Congressional Budget Office, the federal deficit for fiscal year 2018 will come in at around $804 billion. That's expected to balloon to around $985 billion in fiscal 2019. Does that seem pretty bad to you? Well, it's even worse than you think. If you look at the increase in the federal debt, you'll find that it's growing even faster than the deficit would indicate. Well, how can this be? Well, the government simply excludes some of the money it borrows when it reports this deficit. In other words, the government cooks the books. I know, you're shocked. Me too. Ferris State University economics press professor Mark Brandley dug deeper into these numbers in an article that was published on the Mises Wire. I'll link to the article on the show notes page. It's worth digging into. But the bottom line is that the discrepancy you see is money that the Treasury borrows to pay off maturing bonds. In a nutshell, the government has to borrow money to pay off the debt it accrued when it borrowed money before. It's basically like taking out a new credit card to pay off your old credit card. Now, in one sense, you could say this is no big deal. If you pay off a credit card with a new one, it really doesn't change your overall balance sheet. But when you pay off your lower interest rate credit card with a higher interest rate credit card, that starts to be a problem. In fact, nobody would do that. At any rate, this is just another example of the fiscal mess the U.S. government has itself in. So here's a question for you. Will you be ready when the house of cards falls down? With gold prices relatively low right now, this is a good time to get ready. Just call a Shift Gold Precious Metal Specialist at 1-888-GOLD-160 to learn more. Call today. Well, that's a gold wrap for this week. You can get more details on all of these stories and more, and keep up with the latest precious metals news and analysis throughout the week at shiftgold.com news. And if you haven't done it already, subscribe to the Friday Cold Wrap over at iTunes for free. There's a link on our show notes page. Thanks for listening, and I'll talk to you again next week.